Please turn with me this morning to John's Gospel, chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 28. The wonderful words of Christ. In fact, I'm going to read verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. The wonderful, precious words of Christ. They shall never perish. Well, friends, we're continuing our studies in the order of salvation. Last week, we looked at sanctification, the absolute necessity uh, of sanctification, and a person who is a true believer, well, they will pursue a sanctified life. They will uh, want to be more like the Saviour. And today we come to the subject of the perseverance of the saints. And that's so closely linked uh, with uh, sanctification. The perseverance of the saints. God keeping the saints and on the one hand, and uh, the saints also having to keep themselves. But these words so precious that Christ speaks, they shall never perish. Who? Who shall never perish? The believer. The one who has trusted in Christ. The one who has come and put their faith in Christ and put their all, their dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and for life. They're the ones who shall never uh, perish. They shall never lose their salvation. That's what this topic is about, the present perseverance of the saints. They shall never lose their salvation. The one who trusts in Christ, Christ says, I will never disown that, that, that man or that woman. I will never cut them off from me. Once they are mine, once they have faith in me, they are mine and they are mine forever. I will never abandon them. They shall never be separated from my love, no matter what they pass through, no matter what difficulties they go through in life, no matter even if they prove unfaithful, I am committed to them. They are my, they are my sons, they are my daughters, they are my, my flesh and blood, my kith and kin. These are the ones uh, who belong uh, to me. They, those ones who have believed in me, they and who follow me, they shall never lose their salvation. They shall never lose their place in heaven. It is secure. It is fixed for, uh, for all time. These ones shall never be cast into hell. Never, no, never, we could say, will it happen to one who has truly repented and trusted in Christ. Their, uh, their salvation is safe. Their security is in Christ. This is the message, friends, that is at the very heart of this doctrine. And uh, we are thinking about it this morning, the perseverance of the saints, the eternal security of all believers. Not one, not one, Christ said, will be lost. The Lord knows all who are his, and he will protect and keep each one to glory. Once saved, always saved. Do we believe in that, people ask? Yes, we do. Once saved, always saved. Once their names are in the book of life, 
Well, it's written with an indelible ink. It cannot be erased from that book of life. Once you're in Christ, always in Christ. Once you're adopted into his family, you're always a member of his family. He will never disown you. He will never disinherit you and say, now you're, 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 you're proved unfaithful as a son, as a daughter. I, I expected better things of you. Go away from me. He'll never say that to you. Even if you, prove, you and I prove unfaithful, and we do so often, he never is unfaithful to us. Once forgiven, once pardoned, once accepted by the Lord, never will he condemn you again. Never will that penal punishment be expected of you again. This is it, friends. What a wonderful doctrine this is. What a comforting teaching of the scriptures uh, this is. And it's one of the greatest helps if you haven't grasped this, if you haven't come to believe this. This is, will be one of the greatest helps to you in your spiritual life. I have to say, right at the start, from personal testimony, it has been one of the, the greatest helps to me. I never always believed these things. I used to think the other way around. I used to think what's, what we say is the Arminian way, that one has to keep oneself after one is saved and comes to the Lord, well, now the onus is on you. Now you have to pray every day. Now you have to maintain uh, a good walk with the Lord. Now you have to abide in Christ. You fail to abide in Christ, well, there's a great danger. You may be cut off from Christ, and you may lose your salvation. And it's in, in that sort of fear and trembling way that often I used to carry out my duties and do it not so much out of love for the Lord, but because I was scared. Scared to lose my salvation and afraid that it could be taken away from me. After all, doesn't the Word say that? Aren't there scriptures which teach, seem to teach that we can be cut off? Well, there are. Uh, John 15, six, 15 verse 6 talks about, If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth. Uh, Matthew ten thirteen, Only he that endures to the end shall be saved. And they seem to teach, I thought, that one can be cut off. So that was my understanding of those texts. But actually there's a different meaning, and we'll look at that uh, a bit later. Uh, but as a result of a misunderstanding of this particular doctrine, well, uh, my Christian life really was one of fear and trembling, rather than of joy and of walking in a secure way with the Lord. Thankfully, I came across the writings of somebody who was a great help, uh, A.W. Pink, and uh, his book on the perseverance of the saints. If you haven't read it, it's well worth a reading. But that helped me to see things, Scripture, and this particular doctrine in a clearer way, and to draw much comfort uh, from it. And this is what we all need. So this teaching, friends, of eternal, is, is of eternal security, the perseverance of the saints. But we have to say right at the, the start, it's exclusive. This is not a, a teaching for everyone. The, it is especially the perseverance of the saints. It's only for believers. This is not a promise that for the unbeliever. The Lord doesn't, cannot say and does not say to the unbeliever that uh, he uh, is safe, that he shall never uh, perish. The person who has not come to Christ 
and has not humbled themselves and has not committed themselves uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ and is not depending on his cross work for salvation, has not said, Lord, forgive me, I trust entirely in you to take away my sins, save me, make me one of your own. If a person hasn't done that, no matter what background they come from, no matter if they are a notorious sinner or whether they are a respectable person who is admired by colleagues and neighbors and so on, no matter uh, what their background and status is, if they haven't done this simple thing of committing themselves to Christ and they're still in unbelief, oh friends, the Lord cannot say to such a person, uh, you have everlasting life. You shall never perish. In fact, you're in a very precarious position. You're in a very dangerous position because actually you're on the road to perdition. You're on the road to perishing. And it's urgent and necessary that this is a matter that is not put off. But that is, you're made right with the Lord sooner than later. But friends, we could also say this is not a promise for the professor. And there are Sadly, there are people who make a profession. Perhaps they've said the prayer, uh, but they haven't really been changed. They have a form of godliness. They seem to be Christians on the outside, but there's no grace in the heart. They're, they're, they're still the same kind of people as they were before they believed. That believing in Christ, which they say they have, well, it's made no difference to the way they're living their life. They're still going after the, their worldly entertainments, and they're, they're not living separate uh, from the world. It's brought about no about turn in their life, where now their disposition is for Christ and for His kingdom and for His glory. In some way, that's not evident. They cannot see it in a person's life. He's there, they say, I'm a Christian, but there's no love for Christ. There's no love for His name. There's no love for His word. There's no love for His house. It's missing. It's not there. It's the same person as before. There's no burden for holiness. Oh, friends, if a person who is a professor like this, well, they, these words do not apply to such a person. But this is a promise for the true believer, the one who has really come to the Savior, the one who has repented of their sins, who has been born again and knows that God has changed their life. They are now who are living, who are mindful of the things of the Spirit, who are pursuing sanctification, whose chief desire, yes, they, they go about their day-to-day -day work and they seek, but they seek to do all that they do for the Lord. The Lord's kingdom is in their mind. The, to please the Lord is at the forefront of their mind and they follow the Lord through thick and through thin, no matter what happens, no matter what difficulties come their way, they feel, I cannot let go of God. I cannot depart from Him. I cannot uh, go away from, from Him as perhaps other people do. Well, such an one uh, will persevere uh, to the end. The Lord says to that person, you've committed your soul to me. I am committed to you. I am committed to saving you. I'm committed to say, uh, bringing you uh, from earth all the way to glory. Yes, you will go through uh, difficulties, trials, testings, uh, things which will cause you heartache and distress in life, but I will be with you. And I will uphold you and preserve you in those times. 
and I will bring you safely all the way uh, to glory. You will never perish. Oh, friends, this is the word of our Savior. Well, there are a number of other scriptures, but here in John 10, uh, we have this uh, double protection. The believer is in Christ's hands, verse 28, and no man can pluck them out of my hand. And then uh, under that hand, as it were, is the Father's hand, verse 29, my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's uh, hand. The Lord says, I will not relinquish and release my, my grip that I have on my people. If I'm a, you're a believer, I will not let you go. You are mine, and you are mine uh, forever. Oh, but can't I exclude myself from salvation? Can't I do something that will take me away from the Lord? Some people think like that. I, yes, I may be, maybe a sin that I do. No, friends, if you are a true believer, even you cannot separate yourself uh, from the Lord. Look, unto, look at this as well. The Lord said in uh, verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. Now, friends, when the Lord gives you something truly, He doesn't take it back. He doesn't ask for it back. He doesn't say, oh, sorry, I made a mistake giving that to you. Please send it back. He doesn't do that. When the Lord gives you faith, when Christ gives to you repentance, when Christ gives to you new life, when Christ gives to you eternal life, well, they're yours. They're yours to keep forever. Forever yours. This is, uh, his, this is how the Lord works. He never, he's, he doesn't repent and say, sorry, I've made a big mistake. He blesses us and they're yours to keep. Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. <laughs> Again, such a wonderful passage. You know it, I'm sure. What can separate us? Or rather, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's the answer? Who shall separate us? Well, all different, different, there are different things that come in to try and separate us. Shall tribulation, Paul says, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For I am persuaded, Paul says, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us? Who can separate us from Christ's love? Nothing can. That's the answer. Not even you. Nothing whatsoever that happens to you in life. No devil can separate you from the love of Christ. Philippians 1 verse 6, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He won't stop. He will continue until the day of the Lord's return. Well, these are some verses. There are so many others. You could think about the foundation of this doctrine, the foundation of this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, why will, it per why we, will saints persevere? Well, because of this, uh, the, the, the Trinity, because uh, of the work of the Trinity and the purposes of God. We can think about the election of God. 
Once God, had, the Father, has elected and given to the Son a certain number of people, well, that certain group of people shall be, given, shall be brought through to glory. None, none of them shall be lost. Another foundational aspect of this doctrine is the intercession of Christ. You look at John 17, the high priest, priestly prayer of Christ, and the Lord said, I, I I wish, Father, I will that they whom you have given me be with me where I am. And the Father always hears the prayers of his Son. And he will answer the prayer. And then there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God uh, places as a deposit his Spirit into our hearts. And that is a guarantee of our salvation and of our making it, as it were, uh, to heaven. One more a scripture, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 5, where, where Peter tells us that believers are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And this is an important uh, point for us to keep. How? How is the believer uh, kept? By the power of God. By God's power. God is the one who is keeping you. God, Christ, is the one who is upholding you. Just as he upholds all creation and he upholds all things in the world, so he upholds and keeps each and every believer. But we, are, we also have a part to play. We also must keep ourselves by using the means of grace. And we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. But... Even though we, we may keep ourselves, uh, we, we need God uh, to keep us. At the end of the day, ultimately, it is God's power that is keeping the believer and preserving them. It is God who is watching over them and preserving them all along the, the way. It is He who is helping them and assisting them. It is He who keeps them from falling away completely uh, from Him. Oh, they may slip up every now and again. They may sin and may fall even into very grievous uh, sin. They may be reattracted uh, to the world and leave the Lord and go back to living like they were before, before they came to the Savior. They may leave off praying in secret and things may just become uh, nominal to them again and dry to them. And they may leave off church fellowship and they may even fall into some very gross sins and bring scandal in the, into the church. And they may fall, in by, uh, fall into immoral sins and bring great dishonor and displeasure to the Lord. And yet still the Lord will not cast them off if they are His true people, if they are true believers. They may backslide uh, from the Lord for a long time. They may be away from the long time and every one of us may be thinking, well, that, that brother, that sister, they were so zealous, but now they're no longer in the church. Maybe they're not a believer anymore. Maybe they're not a Christian. And the, if they are true believers, well, the Lord is going to deal with that, that man, that woman, because they're his child and he's going to have to chastise them and he'll hedge up their way and he'll make life difficult for them and he'll make life uncomfortable for them and all those things that they have turned to uh, which have become idols as they were again to him, well, he's going to make them very uncomfortable in those things. It may be some earthly pleasures that they've uh, 
They've gone into, it may be a relationship, an immoral relationship that they're entered into. Well, he's going to spoil those things that they're finding pleasure in because that's his way of discipline, to bring his child back. And he was going to uh, hedge, uh, hedge up their way. He's going to trouble their conscience so that they won't even feel comfortable being away from the Lord. And they will be brought like that prodigal son again to their knees and to their senses to realize, oh, what a fool I've been. What a fool I've been to live away from my father's house and to live in this kind of a way. I must return to my father. And they say to themselves, I will arise and go to my father. A true believer, though he may fall into sin, God will always bring him back uh, to the, the right way. He cannot fall away completely. He cannot apostatize from the faith. If he was left to himself, yes, he would never make it. But Christ is the one who is keeping him. We could never, if it's only down to you and me, friends, and our own strength, we could never make it through. But Christ is keeping us. Christ is upholding us. And so we will make it to glory. An illustration, not a very good one, but a friend here invites you out for dinner. And uh, he reserves a table for the two of you in a nice restaurant in central London, you agree to meet him. Uh, but as, you're, uh, as uh, something happens during the day, uh, your maybe uh, emergency at home or your boss wants you to write up a report and so you have to work overtime and you can't make it. Or there's a big heavy traffic jam on the way and you can't make it to that dinner appointment and that table that was reserved for you. All these other things became obstacles. Well, friends, there's a table, as it were. God reserves a table for us in heaven. A table for us. And though there are many obstacles that we have to go through in life, we will get there. We will meet with that appointment. Nothing is going uh, to prevent us from getting there. God himself will make sure you get uh, to that appointment and to that res reservation uh, there. But let me add a little bit more uh, detail uh, to this particular point. God keeps us, yes, he does. That's certain, that's true. But he keeps us, uh, Peter says, through faith. He keeps us as we exercise faith, as we use the means of grace. God has put in place these means, prayer alone with God, secret prayer, the renewing of our minds uh, through Scripture as we think on Scripture, uh, the fellowship, the public attendance, uh, uh, hearing God's Word, the preaching, self-examination, uh, examining uh, our sins, confessing our sins uh, daily to the Lord and repenting daily. All these things, friends, are the means of grace that God has put into place and given to us to use. So through these things, uh, we are, uh, God uh, keeps us. Though we are to diligently pursue. We're not to just sit back and say, oh, God's going to keep me. So I just sit back and live as I like and just sail all the way to heaven. No, friends, you have to exert yourself as well. You have to be diligent in the use of these things even. And you have to be fervent in the things of God. And it's through this diligence and fervent use of the means of grace 
and striving uh, that the Lord keeps us. A beautiful example is in Acts uh, 27. In Acts 27, you you remember uh, Paul and his companions, well, they were caught in this ferocious storm on the sea, and uh, their lives and the lives of everybody uh, who was on board the ship was in great danger, so much so that all hope of everyone on board was lost. And everyone thought, we're going to perish. But then an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul in the night and assured him, no one on board the ship is going to lose their lives. Everyone is going to be saved. Everyone would survive this terrible storm. Well, Paul conveyed that message uh, to everyone on board. He told them, God told me this. None of us are going to perish. But then as the boat, the ship, eventually neared land, there were some sailors who tried to make a, a secret dash for it. And they jumped into the lifeboat and they wanted to get away secretly. But Paul said, oh, uh, except these sailors abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Well, you may ask, well, God has already given the promise that everyone is going to be saved. Why worry about whether these sailors make off ahead of time? Why, why worry about it? God has already promised it's going to happen, isn't it? No, but... The reason why they were needed is because their skills as as sailors were still necessary for those on board the ship. God, yes, would preserve all lives, uh, everyone alive, but it would be through the means of the sailors using their ability and skills that they had uh, achieved uh, with their experience that they had. That's how God works. That's how God preserves us to glory. He doesn't just say, I'm going to save you, but it saves us as we use uh, the means of grace in a diligent way. So keep that in mind, friends. Remember that. But what about the scripture texts, you ask, uh, which seem to suggest uh, that salvation may be forfeited? Well, I'll just go through one or two of these uh, very quickly. Matthew 10, 22 mentioned that already. The context there, there is a very grim one. The Lord has painted a picture of the, the believer uh, suffering, the believer facing persecution, the believer being hated of all men. And uh, in, the, in the midst of all these things, the Lord says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, when you look at that, it, you may think it, it, it's saying that a believer who just holds on and holds on, as it were, by the grit of his teeth, uh, even through all these things, well, He's going to be the one who is eventually going to go to heaven. And the one who doesn't hold on, the one who gives up and turns back, well, they they won't make it. But that's not actually what the verse is teaching. The verse, actually, is better to look at it in in the sense of, how will you know a true believer? How will you recognize one who is truly of the Lord? Because they persevere. Because they endure regardless of the persecution and the hardships that are coming their way. They still hold on. You can recognize that they are a true believer by these things. An unbeliever, yes, will go away. Oh, you you can see that. They would depart. But a true believer doesn't turn back and he endures right to the very end. The professing believer, he has that profession, but when all the troubles come, he turns back. You see this in the parable of the sower. 
You remember that there was this one category of hearers who heard the word and received it with joy and gladness. And it seems like, oh, very quickly they say, oh, I want to become Christian. I want to follow the Lord. But then trouble comes and persecution comes and difficulties come. And they're as quickly gone as they came in. And they give up uh, the faith. They're offended. John 15, uh, verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth. Uh, and again, it seems it's not saying that, uh, referring to a true believer, it's referring to a professing believer, one who has no connection with Christ. He doesn't abide in Christ. He has no connection with Christ. And so he bears no fruit. Hebrews 6, a passage which has troubled uh, so many believers. But again, when you read it, friends, it's not describing a true Christian. It's describing one who has had some experience of the good things of God, but never sincerely repented and never truly uh, converted. Well, uh, there are a number of other texts. In fact, there are, there are other texts like this one's but they are more, uh, they act as warning texts for the true believer. If you look, I'm sure you've read through uh, Hebrews, and you know that uh, the book of Hebrews was written uh, to believers, to Jewish especially, who were suffering and who were being persecuted. It initially started off very well, and they were steadfast in the faith, but now they're beginning to wilter. Now things are beginning, the fire is heating up, as it were, of persecution. And they're considering and they're thinking of leaving the faith, perhaps. This is the temptation that's come their way. They've stepped out of Judaism into Christ, and it's been a very uh, costly for, for them. And they're tempted now to go back because oh, it's, 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 it's too, too much, as it were. But Paul writes to them, and he warns them, and he shows to them... Uh, he, he writes them some, some verses which seem to suggest uh, that, uh, or rather to warn them that if they go back, then they will show themselves not to be a true believers. Take heed, uh, brethren, he says, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And again, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold fast our confidence steadfast to the end. And again, Hebrews 10, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Why does he write in this conditional way? Why is he doing this? Why don't you just assure them? Well, because the believers need it. And the believers, actually, true believers, will welcome such verses. It'll be a spur to them. It'll be an encouragement to them to carry on, to persevere right to the end. And that's how uh, we should respond uh, to such uh, texts, to welcome them. Friends, we know our hearts, don't we? We know what we're like. We know how easily we're prone to leave the Lord. We know it doesn't take much for us to turn aside from the Lord. Don't we need texts like this to probe us and poke us and nudge us and, and keep us in the right way and to stir our hearts to, uh, to, to, to keep uh, following the Lord. We're aware that there are so many temptations around us which are very luring and powerful and we easily can succumb to those things. And so we need the warnings. We need this. It's a help 
is not to make us fear and tremble, but it's an exhortation to us to persevere right to the very end. Oh, friends, this is the doctrine, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And it is really a very comforting one as we look more into it. Uh, you'll see uh, how wonderful it, it is. It's a very comforting one, especially to those who know it. If you don't know it, well, it's, uh, will you get, will a person who doesn't know it, will they still get to heaven? Will they still reach heaven if they are saved? Yes, they will. But they're like going to have a rough journey. They're going to have a difficult time getting there. If I could illustrate it like this. The one who knows this doctrine, well, certainly in terms of comfort, they're going to, uh, it's like driving uh, on a motorway, going from one place, a city to another, and they're like driving on the motorway, and uh, it's on a tarmac road, and it's a nice, easy, uh, comfortable journey to get to their, their place. They're talking only in terms of comfort. But the one who is a believer, but does, uh, doesn't know this teaching, well, it's like they're going to the same destination, but they're on a gravel road, and a road that is filled with potholes and bumps along the way, and it's a very bumpy and rough ride they, 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 they're going to have and experience. They're still going to get there, but it's going to be a rough ride getting there. Oh, friends, how we need to understand these things for our own benefit and for our own help. And I close just with that one scripture, which is also a very Oh, wonderful. 2 Timothy 4, verse 18. The words of Paul. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me to his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And let's uh, close by singing our final hymn, which is number uh, 574, uh, Debtor to Mercy Alone. 574.